and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Uh, apologies, first of all, for there being no podcast last week. Uh, I was on my jollies, but uh, let's try and make up for it this week. <laughs> I'm Dan Burke, and I'm joined today by Lewis Ambrose. Good afternoon. And Alex Mott. Hello. Now, I did say on the podcast at the start of the season that we weren't going to talk about VAR ever again, <laughs> ideally, but I think it's kind of unavoidable this week, so I'm going to have to go back on that uh, after what happened in the Tottenham-Liverpool game at the weekend. I'm sure we all know by now about the uh, Luis Diaz disallowed goal, all hell has broken loose. Uh, VAR is um, for the knackers yard, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? A lot of people are ready to ready to chuck it in the bin. Um, I'm curious to know with you two, um, you know, let's have a little bit of a, a, a VAR debate, shall we say. Maybe it's not a debate, maybe we all agree, but if you were in the corridors of power at the uh, the FA or Pigmall or whatever, would you keep VAR or would you bin it at this point? Uh, at this point and any other point, I'd have quite liked to have seen it binned, but the um, the genie's out the bottle now, isn't it? So that's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, I'd... I agree with you, Lewis. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it go, but I just don't think it's going to happen anymore. I th- obviously, there needs to be improvements in what the, how they use it and what they use it for, but yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid of it anytime soon, unfortunately. See, I've always been a little bit of a VAR nerd, I think, <laughs> and like kind of like always been in favour of it. And even though the way it's been applied is obviously terrible, logically to me, it just makes sense to have that, if that technology is available. And people talk about the technology yeah. as if it's some like incredible like thing made of like wizardry or something. <laughs> it's basically a video screen. Well, yeah. And if you true, have yeah. access to that video screen, like why would you not use that? And I think the biggest issue with this past weekend was the humans using the VAR, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was just a communication issue more than anything. I think, especially li- listening back to the audio, you see that what surprised me was like the sort of matiness of it and how it really wasn't professional at all like you know I watched a lot of cricket I watched some rugby the the way every decision goes through a process I know it's difficult like football's different because there's a lot of when you know when you get a ball in football it's you know it can go a million different ways whereas in cricket rugby it's a bit different but the way that it's like right this step certainly in cricket it's like right no ball yes or no pitch what a pitching line blah blah whatever you can go through the steps and they just didn't in that it was so chaotic yeah it was like three or four voices shouting over each other it (laughs) it felt like it sounded like like you say like it was a bit unprofessional yeah and just and yeah I mean we've we've probably all listened to it now but just the fact that simply no one said is it a goal or is it not a goal there was was literally no one said goal or no goal did they they just they just went with and just snowballed a little bit so yeah I think VAR is here to stay I personally wonder if maybe they could introduce like semi-automated offsides going forwards like now in the Champions League or yeah they have it in Serie A as well I know that Um, I know the PGMOL um they voted against it over the summer, so that's don't think that's going to happen uh, this season at least. But I don't know. There's there's just so many ways that it could be improved going forward. That yeah, it's just it was just a bit of a joke this weekend. Really, yeah, really. we did an article about this for the app yesterday, and you had a, a novel suggestion in that, didn't you, Lewis? About the uh, you oh, that, yeah, the I nicked that from cricket as well. Yeah. Although I guess tennis too with a challenge system, and I think there's so much attention on the officials themselves to get everything right and it's like you know as sitting there as an Arsenal fan and if Mikel Arteta thinks that's a penalty or not a penalty and he wants to play one of his challenges and then the ref turns around and he's like there's no contact and it's like well sorry mate you've ruined it yeah. and you've wasted your own challenge like you get that in like like Alex watching a lot of cricket no one has a go at the umpires 
it's like you know India will have their two their two reviews and if they use them wrongly they've, sure they've lost them yeah, and yeah. then it's, they've got no one to blame but themselves mm-hmm. and we if we want to talk about refs not getting abuse and officials not getting abuse well put it in the hands of the coaches or the captains or whoever then to decide when they think they want to use and if you know if it's an offside or appeal for a penalty or whatever and they've got no one to blame but themselves yeah. if they get it wrong yeah well my suggestion was that there should at least be some better communication especially when it comes to fans in stadiums you know we saw it kind of at the Women's World Cup but it was a bit pointless the way they just announced the decision Mm -hmm. that was written on the screen I think there should be an actual a real time not like I don't think because a lot of people say oh mic the refs up we we should be able to hear every conversation they're having I don't necessarily agree with that I don't think it really achieves an awful lot but I think if the referee says you know the Curtis Jones one the other day when it got it was a yellow card and originally he went to the screen looked at it they said we've looked at it it's a serious foul play it's a red card at least the fans in the stadium kind of understand what's gone on there a little bit more I don't think that's the case when you're in the stadium and no, the it's not, yeah, horrible it is. isn't it no. there's, a, there's a guy who sits next to me at the Emirates whenever I'm home and I don't know how I can't even receive a text in the ground <laughs> my connection but he he's Got like he gets a stream up on his phone anytime there's a contentious decision. There's a game last season, there was a, a penalty appeal, and while they were checking it, he got his phone up, got Sky Go or whatever, and we're all sitting there watching it <laughs> so we could actually see the replays and we weren't just standing there for two minutes wondering what was going on. Went, oh no, wait, he's offside before yeah. they'd even announced he was offside. Just play it on the screen, just play whatever Sky is showing on the screen in the ground. Like it's it's not perfect even as a fan sat at home, but in the stadium, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, the point you made I think Alex was that the standard of officiating oh, just needs to improve it's a generally. joke isn't it I, I know it's hard but I do think there needs to be a bit more of an improved effort to get professionals from maybe not Premier League players because obviously they could just retire on the money they're <laughs> on but maybe like conference League 2 League 1 players up I think Premier League referees get like 70 grand a year which you know is obviously a lot of money but in football terms is not that much money if they upped it to like I don't know 150,000 a year mm. you're more likely to get players from League 1 League 2 going into that going into refereeing after they finished I do think that would just help the things a little bit and I do think there needs to be specialised VAR referees as well yeah. um, even if like I don't know, just bringing in people from other sports or something just for VAR who then know the know the laws of the game and can deal with things under pressure. I don't think that's an outrageous mm. claim, really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah like we're saying, Saturday was just a huge communication issue and they, well, and they just snowballed. And they, well, what about Darren England being in the UAE? Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> 40 hours, 40, yeah, was it 48 that's, hours before the game as well? Like, well, that's... Can, about who, who was... Howard Webb or whoever in charge why of the have they allowed that why, how have they not thought that's a terrible look for us <laughs> I mean it should just not be allowed no, no, I've exactly. seen, I, I heard somebody on another podcast which I won't name this week say that uh, referees should be paid more to, to sort of make going to work in the UAE less appealing but like how much could you pay someone to go oh well, I've got three days off next week I'll go over there and do yeah. You know, yeah. like there's not enough money in the world is there really you can all, if, if unless they're as long as they're allowed to do that unless they're banned from doing it then the opportunity yeah. is always there yeah. for them yeah. isn't it Incredible. and obviously there's been a few conspiracy theories about them receiving <laughs> bribes which we shall not entertain on this podcast <laughs> whatsoever I'm just thinking with I, I, I totally agree that the standard of refereeing in general needs to be improved I'd love to see a sort of celebrity guest referees that they are, like they have in wrestling that would be, 
that'd be quite fun. <laughs> Do you think it can ever get to a point where a human being can manage a lightning quick Premier League football match, for example? No. On their own. And not, you know, even with the benefit of technology, it's still a bit of an impossible job. But that's the problem. VAR gave the illusion of perfection. Yeah. yeah. Which, it, you know, before VAR, was was it 95% of decisions were correct? So maybe even I mean, 96%. That's what they say. So well, that was the percentage that they gave out. But they, the, I remember during the, before the 2018 World Cup, they said the VAR are going to make improve it to 98%. But the thing is, that 2% from 98 to 100 is worth a hundred times more yeah. because they again there's yeah. just the illusion of perfection now yeah. so all the mistakes get amplified so much more so and, and maybe that's a and fa- maybe that's a fan problem that you know well and before say. as fans we had a situation where your team scored a goal and you could just celebrate yeah it. you didn't have like we've, I feel like we've we, we've gained that 2% and we've still not reached 100%. We lost, yeah. We've lost a lot along the way. Well, I have to well. say, as an Oxford fan, going to watch League One football with no VARs <laughs> in the ground is uh, yeah, it's great when, when we score, obviously. <laughs> but what's worse, not being able to like maybe properly celebrate a goal or having a, a goal go against your team that was offside? And both, been... both still happen anyway. True. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. well, I say still. One of them didn't used to happen and now it does. <laughs> and now wrong decisions continue to happen regardless. <laughs> Well, Jurgen Klopp was asked about it in his uh, press conference and perhaps predictably he said that he thinks the game should be replayed against Tottenham. Does he have a point at all, do we think? Or No. <laughs> but they're, they're probably right. It is an unprecedented situation though, isn't it? it? Well, yeah, but... Yeah, is but, but is it like goals have been given and not given before? I but just, in the VAR, really. Yeah, in the VAR. Good goals have been wrongly awarded. Like how not many, to Liverpool. <laughs> well, yeah, like how many, but how many apologies have PGMOL over the, the last couple of years dished yeah. out? I think Wolves got about six. I know there was a couple to Arsenal last season, definitely. Wolves should have had a penalty in the last minute at Old Trafford this season. Like, I just, that's, yeah. Maybe you should get a point per Pigmall apology. Yeah. <laughs> But so I'd be interested in that. Klopp has just totally opened himself up now to people, to other coaches or other teams. Saying, I thought he was surturizingly and enjoyably calm on Saturday yeah. as well. We sort of went, oh, you know, humans make mistakes. I'm proud of my team. And I was really surprised that he didn't go mental. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it was such, especially like, because I was seeing the press conference yesterday and Trent Alexander-Arnold was being very like diplomatic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Klopp says, yeah, let's replay the game. Wow, well, I didn't quite say that. But yeah, I don't, yeah I don't, he hasn't got a point. I, I, do, I do think Liverpool have played a bit of a blinder though in the way that they, well, they played a bit of a blinder on Saturday before they got beat. Yeah. But um, the, the way that they've reacted to it, I think is kind of exactly how you would want your club to react yeah. in that situation. I think they are going to go down the legal route, whether they've got a case to be made there, I don't know. But seen lots of fans of other clubs now. Oh, well, we never got the audio release. Liverpool, the first team I've seen, ask for the audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, That's why, why not do it? I wonder if this is sort of adds to the siege mentality. Um, I do yeah. think this all plays into Liverpool actually being really quite good this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I exactly. Yeah. yeah. I asked you both to think about some perhaps uh, historic injustices yes. that would uh, deserve a match to be replayed. Any any thoughts? Well, on that? the first one that came to mind was uh, Luis Suarez's handball against Ghana in the World Cup. That was uh, that was one for me. But they got a penalty. Well, they do. Oh, yeah. 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 Was he sent off? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's not good. <laughs> I think just the injustice was the fact that he celebrated <laughs> yeah, the penalty save, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the biggest ones for me, like goal line stuff but in the days before goal line technology like Dortmund took took Pep's Bayern in his first season at, at Bayern Munich to the cup final when it was nil nil going into extra time and Dortmund had one that was about 
two feet over the line that wasn't given. It's like Lampard against Germany. Yeah, like yeah. cup finals and World Cup knockout games yeah. where stuff like goal line technology. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, 2001, Stefan Honcho punched the ball off the line and the ref gave a corner. That was fun. Um, yeah, let's replay everything that's ever happened yeah. that benefited Liverpool. Well, I mean, I've seen a few Tottenham fans saying, "Oh, well, let's replay the 2019 Champions League final." Then, in that case, I mean, I don't, was that was, was that the wrong decision? Yeah. Was I don't know. It was, yeah. it was, it was, maybe it's like the handball rules are a bit harsh. But yeah. and if we're going to go down that road, let's go back to the quarterfinal that year when Spurs <laughs> knocked City. Out with Fernando Llorente handball that wasn't seen well, then. at the time. You know, Liverpool uh, had a couple of dodgy goals when they knocked us out of the Champions League a few years ago as well. So, yeah, if you want to open that kind of worms, Jürgen, be prepared for <laughs> a lot of worms, I guess. Uh, that's usually what happens when you open a, a can of worms. Let's talk uh, a bit of Champions League this week because it's been a pretty epic week in the Champions League, beginning with Newcastle smashing mm. PSG 4-1. It's a, um, it's a landmark result, I guess you would say, but was anyone actually that surprised by it? Um... Well, certainly not from the 90 minutes. Beforehand, I was. I thought I thought Newcastle might be a bit too over-emotional. The, the more reports, the atmosphere was absolutely incredible before the game. It certainly sounded very loud when the Champions League music was playing beforehand. But um, they just completely did a job on them, didn't they? I, just, I don't want to be... Don't want to dampen Newcastle's uh, parade too much, but <laughs> PSG were woeful. That 4-2-4 that they've been playing recently is just horrendous. Mbappe had four touches in the Newcastle penalty area mm. or something like that. 0.02 XG, I think he got something. Yeah, like they that. just they just completely dominated him. Lewis Enrico got his tactics wrong um, and Newcastle were just brilliant and yeah, could have got over emotional but used that emotion to yeah, completely batter them and were well worth uh, four goals, I think. Mm. Probably could have had a few more. Can we enjoy Newcastle's return to the promised <laughs> land and the novelty of that, or does their their ownership model and everything that goes with that just mean that it's impossible for it's, anybody except Newcastle fans to enjoy it? Well, it does for me, certainly. Um, and some of the reporting last night as if it was a miracle that the team that was probably the third best, I finished fourth in the end, but probably the third best team in the Premier League last season won a game at home. Yeah. Like, I, I, sorry, but like Newcastle caused trouble for any team on the planet going to St James's Park. I think 20 years waiting for a Champions League game an okay PSG team turns up and like it's not a miracle that Newcastle beat them yeah. in the slightest uh, you know they're a really good team but yeah for me it's there's, there's no enjoyment at all around the fact that Newcastle are quite good yeah I just I just sort of compare it a bit with like the City takeover era and like I remember the first Premier League win of ours when we you know the Aguero won uh that was a little bit before people were sort of talking about yeah, sports washing yeah. and stuff and I, th- I, I feel like the novelty of that was appreciated in English football a little bit maybe because we beat Manchester United yeah. to it and everyone kind of hates United but I feel like Newcastle haven't got that luxury now everybody is hyper aware no. of geopolitical situation in the yeah. Middle East and that kind of thing and they get an awful lot, I would say, more uh, sort of criticism than City did at the time, which, you know, Newcastle fans can feel however they want about that, I suppose, and everyone <laughs> else can feel however they want about it, can't they? But, uh, yeah, PSG uh, have a questionable ownership themselves, of course, well, quite, and yeah. are no closer to winning the Champions League, which seems to be the only thing that they can really def- derive any joy from whatsoever. Are they just doomed in Europe? Cursed? Is it just whoever's in charge, whichever players they have, are they just not? Is it not not going to happen for them? Well, I I was actually fairly confident they might actually do something this year. They've obviously maybe they're on the beginning of doing something. They got rid of the sort of 
celebrity culture, I suppose, that was at the club. And um, well, they they had three passengers, didn't they, last year in attack <laughs> when they played all their big guns? So yeah. maybe now to just have one passenger, they're a bit closer <laughs> to uh, to doing something. But um, I don't know. I, yesterday, I think it was just all about. Well, Mbappe looks what he is, which is unfair. PSG are paying for the fact that they tried to either get him to sign a contract or leave over the summer. Didn't take him on the tour to Japan, was it? They went to yeah, Yeah, he didn't go. So he's just he hasn't had a proper preseason. So I think they're paying for that now. Um, And yeah, like I said, playing that four-two-four last night, they were just and Hakimi didn't offer anything down the right. They just yeah, they were all over the place. So yeah, I think that's down to Luis Enrique, but. yeah, maybe towards the end of this, towards the end of the group stage, if they get, and then the last stages, if they get there, they might uh, might sort their act out. Yeah. Do you rate Lewis Enrique as a coach? Because I not don't think I do really. Yeah. No, I feel like it's a lot of. I feel like it's what people, sort of Guardiola's biggest critics, maybe accuse him of. There's a lot of ball, the ball, and not really doing anything mm. with it. Um, which I don't really. I mean, there's. 15 years of evidence that, that isn't true at all of Pep Guardiola's teams because they win all the time um, but that's what Lewis Enrique's teams look like to me the one time you won the Champions League you do it in Messi, Suarez and Neymar as a front three <laughs> I think it'd be hard to stop them from scoring goals yeah. <laughs> well uh, after the last round of uh, Champions League fixtures Manchester United had a series of very winnable games on paper it seemed and they won a couple of them they beat Burnley they beat Crystal Palace in the Carabao then they lost to Crystal Palace in the Premier League and lost to Galatasaray in the Champions League uh, it seems like it's back to square one for them Eric Ten Hag's job is safe according to uh, recent reports but should it be Alex? Um, I think probably not I think he's lucky that they're in they're sort of a little bit dysfunctional above him. I think a lot of it isn't down to him, you know, like a fish rots from its head, doesn't it? So I think a lot of a lot of what's happening is coming from the top down. Um but just stuff like playing Amrabat I know they've got injuries, but playing Amrabat left back, he's only played there like twice in his career. Yeah. So then to then throw him into a Champions League game, it's just that sort of sums it up really, doesn't it? Like where they are. No, have they not got like a really good teenager at left back that they could? Definitely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just. I mean, if you're sweating on Sergio Regulon's fitness, well, yeah, I think in any other time, they, Ten Hag probably would be in a bit more trouble. I don't think he's going to get the sack. Certainly not yet. Obviously, if they completely nosedive between now and Christophs, that might be different. But yeah, I d- although I, I, yeah, obviously it's not great, but I don't think the issues are with Ten Hag, to be honest. So no, I, d- I don't think his jobs yeah. are any any. Glazers didn't play very well the other night, did they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will look like a Norwich away end for Man United. Andre Onana has been getting uh, quite a lot of. Some of it fair, some of it perhaps a little unfair criticism. I, you know, I thought he looked really good at Inter. I thought he uh, was a good signing for United this this season. Is he going through a bit of a rough patch? Do you think, or is he just not good? Enough? <laughs> I think it's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's not saving anything. He keeps passing the ball to the opposition. Yeah, so, not great. Um, sort of, he's very good at diving near the ball, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he does. He, I feel like soft uh, goalkeepers, especially as well. Obviously, everyone's always saying goalkeepers are mental and all that. Anana. Like I don't see it often in a goalkeeper. I feel like he's got quite a defeated attitude. Like when he lets a goal in, sometimes and he sits there mm. and looks like he's maybe just feeling a bit sorry for him. And you know what? Maybe he's just composing himself or something. But it looks like he's sort of feeling sorry for himself, and he looks quite tense and stressed yeah. to me. Well, after and the Bayern game, he 
asked to, yeah. be, to be interviewed yeah. after the game so he could kind of apologise and that's like that's a bit Joe Hart isn't it? It, well yeah but at least Joe Hart saved yeah I don't know he, obviously he needs a he needs a little bit of a run to get things going I think it's so hard at a new club as well especially a goalkeeper when it starts like this I think Anana could now keep six or seven clean sheets in the next ten games and then in the 11th game make a mistake and it, it just goes back to that narrative mm. so quickly of like he's, he's sort of had a terrible start no matter how he does really until Christmas now if he makes one or two mistakes everyone's going to say oh he's been rubbish yeah perhaps they need to do an Arsenal and get uh, do Tom Heaton as a uh, <laughs> David De Gea David De Gea's a free agent <laughs> yeah. that'd be a lot that's all I'm saying <laughs> speaking of Arsenal Lewis they uh, they lost away at Lons on yeah, Tuesday night in the Champions League uh, Lons obviously a very good home record not a great start to the season for them I was a bit surprised by that result what, what happened to Arsenal on the night um, they didn't play particularly well and then I think it I think it was a classic case of sort of if you look at the chances that were there and stuff I think both teams I think point would have been fair and Lons had took two half chances and Arsenal only took one of their that first goal three or four half chances the finish was yeah. fantastic yeah um, yeah I mean what the, the first two goals were gifted the one by each side and I think Lons took their first half chance really the second half Arsenal had missed a couple keeper had made a really good save from Tommy Asu a couple of minutes before Reese Nelson had a, another one that was saved at the end I think on another night I don't think Arsenal played very well at all um, but I think on another one night it's 2-2 or Arsenal maybe win 2-1 and no one really talks about it obviously when the other team pulls off two really good finishes and you only manage one then it looks a little bit of a disaster mm. I saw a lot of Arsenal fans like having a go at Arsenal the other night <laughs> saying like this is, the, like saying like, this is the 15th best team in France it's like well no they're 15th right now but they did finish second <laughs> they're last year behind PSG but I don't, I don't they, think yeah. they're like they've lost a couple of important players in the summer as well Pender especially um, Fafana in midfield but like they're obviously not the 15th best team in France <laughs> and that atmosphere looked incredible it did it, it did I, mean, I know they've been waiting a while to get people back yeah. in the Champions League as well it, it looked like a really special night there so um yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's too much to read. It's probably your hardest game in the group, that isn't it? That's out of the way now as well, I suppose. Yeah, so. like Sevilla don't look all that, do they? No, at the moment, yeah. PSV didn't really offer anything at the Emirates, so you'd, yeah, you'd probably say that was the trickiest of the six matches. Yeah, we're going to talk some more Arsenal in just a moment, but first we've got a question from David Aslan, which is about Manchester City. He says, "I've always wondered whatever happened to Calvin Phillips, haven't we all, David? <laughs> uh, he used to be really good before City signed him. Nowadays, he's a bit of a forgot, forgotten man. Question is, will he step up for City uh, when Rodri's serving jail time? If anyone's wondering, Rodri's not actually in jail; he's just suspended. <laughs> Although maybe, Yet. yeah, maybe that, <laughs> at the time yeah. of recording, maybe Morgan Gibbs White might have something to say about that. <laughs> uh, or will City have a downturn in form, a bit like United had without Casemiro last season? Now, I think David sent that question in before City lost at Wolves at the weekend when Calvin." Okay. Phillips didn't play no. didn't play him against Leipzig in midweek he is very much the forgotten man I mean he's, he's doing a lovely job on the bench Man- I think he's yeah. Manchester City have two holding midfielders and Calvin Phillips is their third choice holding <laughs> midfielder yes. why who's the second one well, Kovacic apparently As, well sort of yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah it doesn't look good for him does it no. I don't know why he didn't leave in the summer it seems like maybe he's just sort of decided no I'm going to try and prove it second mm-hmm. season but yeah he's I, I, I wish him well. I mean, when he's played, the thing is, when he's played, he's looked really lacking confidence. Yeah, he needs a run of games to get that confidence, he's, and he's never going to get it. So it's just like well, yeah, twenty-two. You're, you're possibly like, risking dropping points if you're playing five, six yeah. games in a row, right? So he'll come on for ten minutes, look okay-ish, but then 
He's being compared to Rodri as well, who is, for my money, the best defensive midfielder in the yeah, world. Yeah. Does the job of two players, essentially, in midfield. It's the only player we've got who can hold the midfield together like that. Phillips just is nowhere near as good. And I think this was his chance to get a game, get a start. <laughs> yes. not happened. So, you know, if he started against Arsenal at the weekend, I would be absolutely astonished. And I think he would be too. So, <laughs> yeah. It's a shame because he looked really good for England a couple of years ago. The yeah, Euros, he was. Uh, yeah. he, he spent basically a season sideline with injury for Leeds and mm-hmm. then joined City. And I don't know, it's just not not worked out for him. I'm probably not going to work out for him. Yeah, let's move on to the big game from the Emirates on Sunday with uh, Arsenal hosting Manchester City. Um, as we've uh, spoken about today already, Lewis, City did win 4-1 when the teams met last last season. You'll uh, you remember that one. How do you see the game playing out this time? You do keep mentioning that. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Um, I, f- I, find this, I find it really hard, to be honest. I feel like both neither side is playing as well as they were last season. Um, I think the last two trips City have had to the Emirates, they've won both of them, but... I think Arsenal were as good as City in both games. I don't know how you feel about that, and if that's just oh yeah, my agreed. red well, and white tinted glasses. Not, the, not the game at the Etihad in the league. We no, the, no, the, Emir- the last oh, two at the Emirates. Oh, there was sorry, yeah, New yeah. Year's Day and City won two one in the yeah. final minute, and then the three one in three, February yeah. last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought in both games. Oh, and the FA Cup game, Arsenal were good last year. I thought. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one at the Etihad too. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the Community Shield too, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think especially at the, the Emirates. Sort of, if you're looking for a proxy for this game, um, Arsenal have held their own against City the last two times out. Um, City not having Rodri makes them a, an entirely different prospect. I think I agree with you completely. Not just the best holding midfielder in the world, but I think City's most important player. I think we've seen City dominate the league without Erling Haaland. We haven't seen Manchester City since Rodri joined dominate anything without Rodri. Mm. Uh, I think he's the least easily replaceable player in that team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if Haaland's out, you see where goals are going to come from anyway. Well, Haaland's um, in shocking form. Well, yeah, yeah goals are coming at the moment yeah. and he's not scoring them. So, you know, I think with, with Rodri, it's, um, there, there isn't anyone that can come in and do what he does. And Arsenal have got to be looking at that as a massive, massive opportunity, I think. Um, on the other hand, obviously, Bukai Saka probably yeah. going to be out. And yeah. Arsenal, for the last two or three years, have not had a more important player or alongside Martin Odegaard. Um, what will they lack if Saka's not there, apart from Saka? What, quality. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there's quality elsewhere. There's, qual- there's quality elsewhere, but I think Saka's, Saka's the player on the team who makes the right decision every time he's got the ball. Um, and I think you've seen it this season when Saka's not even having as big an impact on some games and he's having maybe a quiet game and it's a 6, 7 out of 10 but every time he gets the ball there are three defenders on him and if there are three defenders on your right winger that means they're not somewhere else yeah. and there's space for somebody else so I think it's just that it's that sort of fear factor that, that Saka brings for opponents um, Guardiola's been playing on that side a lot for City and is a player that Saka hasn't gone up against yet Nathan Ake's kind of had his number a little bit the last couple of times they've played against each other um, yeah, it would have been, or it would be nice to see Saka go up against somebody different on that side. And I think it's just that, yeah, I think Arsenal have sort of struggled to click going forward this season. But that triangle on that right hand side with Odegaard, Saka, and Ben White is still all reliable. Mm-hmm. And if you take Saka out of that, with Martinelli already out on the other wing as well. Is he definitely out for this game? Yeah, or? he's not been called up. To, Arsenal haven't said he's out, but he's not been called up to the Brazil squad for the right. following week. Um, and I think you saw in Lons in midweek when Saka went off injured without Martinelli or Saka out wide there was a real lack of players able to take people on take the full back on get to the byline 
Um, and that's going to be a bit of a concern. So does that mean Reese Nelson starting? <laughs> maybe Nelson. No, maybe. I, I think maybe Jesus. Yeah. Jesus and Trossard wide. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesus <laughs> was down the middle the other night and he's played wide a couple of times recently and he does just offer that ability to beat a man. I think maybe, yeah, I think it'll be probably Jesus out wide, maybe Havertz up front, like in the Community Shield, gives Arsenal that option to go long to a sort of a bigger player. Um, obviously, City can press so well that you can't play out against them. So, yeah, maybe Jesus, Havertz and Trossard as the front three. Yeah. Yeah, when these teams last met, it was uh, pretty much a title decider. It's not going to be a title decider this year, <laughs> this time around. It's uh, too early in the season to say. Do you think Arsenal need the, need this win, though, Alex, for yeah. belief? yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't really, uh, maybe City are different, but I, I haven't seen anyone really like blow my socks off yet this season. Yeah. Everyone's sort of still kind of feeling it a little bit, aren't they? And so, yeah, I, I do think a big performance in this game will go a long way to saying who's going to really challenge, I think. Mm. It'll be a, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Can't wait for yeah. it. Yeah. Anyone else that you would, I mean, are, are Arsenal and City the two title contenders for you this year? or No, I, I think Liverpool. Yeah, I think Liverpool look. More uh, so than Arsenal? Yes. Yeah. At the mo- certainly at the moment, I think I've been really, really impressed with Liverpool. Um, maybe later in the year, the Thursday-Sunday dynamic might, might hamstring them a little mm. bit, but yeah, I think they look really, really good. Just, I'd agree, by the way. They just look way more dynamic in midfield. Shoppers lie. It's just been an excellent sign-in. I think... They were sort of dragged down a little bit with Henderson and Fabinho, their lack of pace. And I think they've completely turned that around. So, yeah, I think I think Liverpool, I'd love to see Tottenham keep going. I, I'm a big Ange believer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think yeah, Liverpool will be, Liverpool and City are the two, I think. But yeah, if Arsenal win this weekend, then oh, yeah. I can't be Arsenal, awesome. <laughs> have a title race with Liverpool. Just like I, I just feel like, there's a, I feel like there's a big gap between City and, like, for me, then Arsenal and Liverpool like quite a way behind yeah I, mean, I, I agree that City haven't been firing all, on all cylinders yet but they've done what they've done this season without De Bruyne and, and yeah, Stones Bruyne, yeah, Bernardo yeah. Silva for the most yeah, part true. Rodri for a couple of games now like, Haaland's not in top Haaland's not really hit that hit his stride yeah, yet true. so I think there's more to come from City and I think there's a lot more to come from City I don't know if there's a lot more to come from the other teams yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah. see yeah, uh, let's touch on a bit of uh, EFL chat. Seeing as though you're with us, Alex, yeah. uh, a couple of interesting stories uh, broke on on Wednesday night. Sheffield Wednesday sacking <laughs> Zisco, Zisco, yeah. and uh, and also Mark Hughes. Yeah, out of a job Bradford, at Bradford. Yeah. yeah, bloody hell. I know. Yeah, uh, Sheffield Wednesday are well a disgrace really at the moment. Um, they haven't won a game yet in ten. Yeah, it's been such a missed opportunity for them. Really, they obviously well last season the playoffs. Was it five? No, four nil. Peter. They lost four nil. They lost four nil, and then won Drew four four. I think and won on pens. Was it? Or yeah, no, they won five one, and then it was five each. Ah, right, yeah. And then won on penalties, yeah. and then they scored in like the hundred and twenty fifth minute of the final. So they like obviously absolutely euphoria over the summer, and then they, and they had a, a manager that all the fans loved in Darren Moore. He did he get sacked? Did he leave? It's sort of not really not really said too much. Uh, Chansari, the owner, sort of came out and publicly sort of called more out when, when he left about him wanting a new contract and more money, which from the outside, you think, fair enough, got him in the championship. Um, so, yeah, signed Zisco Munoz over the summer, who, yeah, those who remember, was a Watford manager for about two minutes. <laughs> 
back in 20... It's a long time for a <laughs> yeah. Um And yeah, they haven't won a game yet. So the bottom of the championship, they scored five goals. Um, they lost uh, 3-0 in the week, lost 3-0 to Sunderland last weekend. 3-0 so, yeah. off about 20 minutes. Though. Yeah, so it's just such a missed opportunity. Um, Rumours are that Neil Warnock could, oh. be, could be coming in. Um, I'm sure the Blades are going to love that, aren't he's they? He's just left Huddersfield. Where Darren Moore's Where Darren Moore's gone. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'd love, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, a proper proper club. I'd love yeah. to see him. Stay. Your brother's a Wednesday fan, isn't he? My brother and my mum are Sheffield Wednesday yeah. fans. Yeah, I'd love to see him stay in the championship, but um, yeah, at the moment doesn't look great, unfortunately. Yeah. And Marky, Sparky, Sparky, yeah, they're in League Two. They've not they kept him up last season, so yeah, that was they did really well there. But yeah, they just haven't kicked on this season. Yeah, and, um, managers yeah. in Yorkshire, the way. <laughs> <laughs> and Oxford United breathing down Portsmouth next. Well, I, yeah, I, it's unbelievable. We've won. Let me just check this. I think we've won eight of our first ten games. Um, I'm just googling for the listener. <laughs> um, yeah, we won eight of ten. We've. Yeah, we're just we're just really good. I don't I don't really know how to feel about it. We've been crap forever, so yeah, we'll see where we are come May. But yeah, just the point behind Portsmouth for first. Um, yeah, we've got Bolton soon. That'll be a big game, and then Portsmouth I think is in November. So that's that's the one to look out for. Yeah. They'll have it on TV. Over there, I'm sure. <laughs> and last one for today is a question on the emails from Yogeshwar. Remember, if you want to get an email into us uh, for a future episode, the email address is podcast at onefootball.com. And uh, Yogeshwar asks, I'd like to know what your thoughts are about there being a three month break in football. I think this is around the subject of loads of players getting injured, too many yeah. games, etc. Uh, he says, personally, I really want the Energy Drink Cup and the FA cup to be reserved only for teams not in the Premier League and these international friendlies and Nations Leagues to be scrapped what do you think what would you get rid of if you I, I mean, do believe that there is too much football um, and I don't think it's going to get any better with the upcoming Club World Cup and Champions League um, uh, yeah Champions Spanish. League yeah the World Cup's getting bigger Euros is probably going to get bigger as well so um, I mean I, I'm a traditionalist I like the FA Cup but that's you can't just, ban Premier League from the FA Cup. No, no, no. I'm, I'm on the fence about the Carabao getting rid of that, maybe. Yeah, I'd, well, like teams who aren't in Europe only playing yeah, in the Carabao yeah. Cup, maybe. I just, the thing is, I, whilst I agree with the sentiment, if there was, say, an enforced Christmas break in the Premier League, say, for six weeks, or is it six weeks in the Bundesliga, maybe four weeks, something yeah, like that, between, yeah, clubs between. would just go to Japan <laughs> yeah. and do friendlies. That's just how it is. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I I would love a break. It would give give us all a break at work. Well, that's what I was going to say. As a like, as a fan, there's fatigue at some yeah. point. There's always in there. It's like, and especially recently, you know, with like um, Euros that will win forward, and then a Winter World Cup, and then the seasons. Yeah, it's been a bit relentless. Mm. But and Jurgen Klopp's asking for one more. Time. <laughs> the greedy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up for today. Thank you to Alex and Lewis for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Catch you then. Bye.